0: Thinking about starting a business, <laughs> what do you think? And she said, well, "I'm all with you. No matter what you do." Um, I had a lot of other mentors and you know relatives. I think I talked to my dad, and he's like, "You kidding me? You know, in hell, you <laughs> should quit your job." And <laughs> in, in, in this type of economy, and after all the conversations I've had with everybody, I only had one supporter.
1: Welcome to Drop the Disc. This week, we're joined by Garnett Johnson, the owner and president of Augusta Office Solutions and Modern Business Workplace Solutions. We talked to him about his journey, stemming from east of east boundary to investing his life into office supplies.
0: Office supplies, how can you make a living selling office supplies, are you kidding me?
1: (laughs) Starting a business wasn't easy for Garnett, and he talks about the struggles of trying to become profitable and supporting his family at the same time.
0: It's scary. And you're looking at your savings is doing them, it's doing them, and you, you're thinking and you're praying You say, Lord did I make the right decision.
1: And now, after business and personal success, Garnett Johnson is giving back to the community and trying to do things that are a little outside his comfort zone.
0: But somehow I had this desire to always do better. I had this desire to assume some risk, calculated risk, to try to improve not only the lives of me and my family, but other people that are around me. That's what I'm passionate about.
1: Thank you for joining us today. If you have a passion for business, personal growth, or just Augusta, you're going to love today's episode. Garnett Johnson speaks from the soul and shares some really, really great experiences with us. Uh, And if you do enjoy today's episode, we would like to encourage you. uh, We would like to ask you, you know, tell a friend about the show, leave a nice rating or review. And check out, maybe give the social media pages a like at Drop the Disc Pod. And this week, just like every other episode, is sponsored by Nancy Powell of Powell and Associates. And I can actually share a personal story uh, today of me trusting Nancy Powell personally, because not only did Chris and I use her for our personal real estate, uh, Chris bought his family home with it. I bought the house I'm living in right now through Nancy Powell. Uh, but also my mom reached out to me last week for some real estate advice and the first number that i gave her was nancy powell's cell phone number because that's how i feel she is going to give the best advice in every situation and my mom was surprised to find out that nancy would sit down with her with no cost and no obligation to learn about what she was doing and try to figure out ways to do it better and to help her Um, if you are interested in real estate whether you're buying selling just looking at the market, you might want to move upsize, downsize. Maybe you just have some questions. Maybe you need some references for some people in the real estate business. Nancy Powell should always be your first call. Give her a call at 706-717-1281 or shoot her an email at nancypowell1977 at gmail.com.
2: Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. And we are Drop the Disc Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, and you
0: are? I'm Garnet Johnson, president and owner of Augusta Office Solutions and Modern Business Workplace Solutions.
1: This is going to be a really tough episode for us because we have about an hour to get to know you, and there's a lot to get to know. Uh, Garnet, can you give us a little bit of a backstory about the things you're involved in just right now in Augusta? Yeah. Briefly. uh, (laughs) Briefly. Briefly. (laughs) Briefly.
0: And I hope not to bore you guys too much, but as I a matter I, I am the president and owner of Augusta Office Solutions and Modern Business Workplace Solutions, where we are a professional services company specializing basically in everything office. So we sell uh, general office supplies as it relates to pens and paper clips. And uh, on our modern business side, we are a full house uh, furniture design from construction up uh, offering company. Um, specializing in creating unique and productive spaces for the employees for many businesses, not only in this region but across the country.
2: So on a scale of one to ten, what do you think about this studio? You know <laughs> put on the spot. You, you,
0: you put it on, it's a ten. Yeah.
2: yeah. Ooh, you guys have Hold you on. guys
0: have one of and you know what? Keep talking. You guys have one of the classiest digs in all of the city. You have a great view overlooking this this beautiful city we have. It's a small, intimate space that uh, kind of transforms you when you walk into this room that takes you someplace else. Thank this you is for phenomenal. Saying that. Thank you. Yeah.
2: We are missing furniture, but it's okay. Right. <laughs> so, Garnett, there's a
1: lot to talk about here, but we want to take it back to kind of our first question that we like like to, mm-hmm. to start off with, which is, Um, Did you grow up in Augusta?
0: Yes, I did. So I I grew up in Augusta. Actually, not far from the studio. As a kid, I used to uh, walk up and down broad going to movies at the Miller Theater and uh, at the Imperial. So I grew up in District 1 down in a place where they called the bottom is that Uh, east it is east okay east of east boundary okay um went to uh, a couple of what i consider pretty good schools because i had some some great life lessons some great mentors i went to sandbar Ferry elementary which is no longer there and then went to east augusta middle okay um a lot of great uh mentors that that are what i can call foundations of our community lee beard which our commission chambers are named after. He was mm. one of my principals at uh, at East Augusta. That's awesome. And uh, Mr. Bill Prince, uh, who uh, he has a son now who serves in our Georgia General Assembly, was uh, one of my teachers. So uh, I look back at those days very fondly. Still actively engaged in the, in the community. I own several properties down there. A lot of family down there, and um, and I'm passionate about it because even when I was growing up, a lot of people saw this as an undeserved community where there's not a lot of good that come out of it, but there's mm. still a lot of great families that live there. There's a strong foundation of, of folks that that care uh, very passionately about the success of that area. But um, certainly there's work to be done. Absolutely. So, um, I'm proud to, to be from there. I still call that home and uh, couldn't be more excited about it.
1: So right now, you're a small business owner, oh, I am. And, and you're also an activist uh, for small businesses, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you thought you would do when you were growing up? Is that what you wanted to do?
0: Ne- never never at all. I never imagined <laughs> actually being an entrepreneur because, as you can imagine, coming from such a poor background, and, and I didn't have much growing up. Um, my parents, we struggled. As you know, down in East Augusta, it was not always seen as the best schools. There were always... All of these external challenges uh, at the time, and I think this still uh, is true today, the area is surrounded by a lot of housing projects uh, that tend to be, and a lot of people say, the highest crime areas. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that could easily pull young men, and I'm going to speak specifically, easily pull young African-American men in their own direction. And, uh, you know, I was in that environment. So, you know, it takes a, when people say it takes a village, it takes a strong village of parents and uh, and other relatives and caregivers to really help to make that 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 path a little, I guess, more um, clear for for young men, especially that are, are, are trying to grow, you know, their lives and trying to grow a career and trying to do something with their education. So. So
1: you mentioned middle school. Mm hmm. High school and college, how did that how did that go?
0: So uh, I went to East Augusta Middle School in the eighth grade, and I tell this story all the time. My mother, you know, life has all of these disruptions that are, are created, and my mother at the time, she created one of my life disruptions. In the eighth grade, excited about going to Lucy Laney High School, my mother said, you know what, I'm not going to send you to Laney because you have been running with these troublemakers and knuckleheads in these So you potentially narrow,
1: got sucked into a couple of those things.
0: I mean, potentially, almost. Potentially, potentially yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I I didn't have a single mother. I had a I had a a, a two parent household, but my dad was a truck driver. He was always on the road. So essentially, I have a you know I had a single parent household. My mother ninety percent of the time was uh, was chiefly responsible for my upbringing. She worked sometimes a second shift job. So there was a lot of opportunity for me to perhaps make the wrong choices, hang Mm. with the wrong people. And I think she identified that. And she said, you know what, we're sending you to Butler High School. So I went kicking and screaming Mm -hmm. uh, to South Augusta. And it was a different Butler back then. Uh, I had the opportunity to embrace diversity, had the opportunity to create some new friendships. And it gave me a whole different perspective and outlook as to what I could become, because originally it was my goal just to graduate high school and perhaps get a job and and just be a what I consider a cheerful contr- contributor to our society. But uh, Butler opened my eyes a little differently, being engaged, did new friends, uh, different perspectives. I realized that potentially I could go to college, and and I did. Um, graduated from Butler and started my college career at Georgia Southern University. Somewhat successful, probably the biggest success is that's where I met my, my beautiful wife, Tony.
1: Very successful,
0: um, yes. <laughs> When and, did y'all uh, meet? What year did y'all meet? We met in 1991, down at Georgia Southern University and on Sweetheart Circle in the in the in a oh. girls' dorm called Hendricks Hall. That was that, when I was born. There's really, a massive backstory. <laughs> to Hall. That. There's a massive backstory <laughs> because to, today it's uh yeah I think it's an administrative building, but along Sweetheart Circle is where all of the, I guess most of the female dormitories were. So that's where I met her down at at Georgia Southern um, as a student. Uh, I didn't do as well as a student because I tell people this story all the time. I wasn't prepared mentally, Mm. financially, certainly not prepared because my my parents just didn't have the resources to really contribute to it. And uh, just being a young black male, I just wanted an opportunity to earn some money. So um, I ended up, I don't want to say quitting, but I dropped out for a while, came back to Augusta, took a job just to try to, you know, reset. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, nothing will motivate you more than going back to school and working a menial job in the summers in Augusta, Georgia.
1: Yeah. So what were you studying to do versus what you came back and did? Yeah,
0: exactly right. So at Georgia Southern, I was a chemistry major. I had a very influential chemistry teacher. His name was Terry Tisdell at Butler High School. And I said, like, man, I, I kind of like you know, chemistry and formulations and all of these things. And perhaps I want to be a, a chemist or something of that sort. And uh, mm-hmm. so initially at Georgia Southern, I was a chemistry major. And uh, when, I, when I dropped out, took this menial job, came back to Augusta, I realized that I had a knack for creating deals. I had a knack for building relationships. Mm. Um, I had a knack for being able to take something that, in some people's opinion, has no value in creating and finding value. And that's what led me to sales, which I think is the best job in the entire world. You know why? gives you the opportunity to go and determine how much you want to make. It's mm-hmm. all dependent on you and what you sell and how you sell, how you build relationships, how you create value. That's where I've been successful. That's when I realized that I need to be in business. I need to be in sales. So I got back in as a non-traditional student at Augusta State University. Back then, you could go to school in the evenings. Mm-hmm. So I worked a job 6.30 to 3, and classes started around 5 o'clock, and then went to 11 at night. So it really takes a commitment to work all day, to get off, go shower, and then go sit in class till 11 o'clock. And then you start your day all over again about five the next morning. And I did that for many years because you know as a non-traditional student, you can only get to classes, it takes, classes. It takes yeah. a lot longer. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that that proved that I have resolved, um to get things done. And, uh, and I'm proud of how I've done yeah. it. Financially, I didn't have the ability to pay for it, but I worked for a great company, International Paper, that provided what they call a tuition reimbursement program. Mm-hmm. So, and they were very, very helpful and, you know, helpfully to create a schedule that allowed me to go to school. So that's how I was able to, to graduate from the, our great uh, now Augusta University. So, when was
1: that? When did you graduate?
0: I graduated in 1998.
1: And how, how old were you at the time?
0: Uh, gosh, I was probably 27 or 28. So, okay. when I say non traditional student, very non traditional. I didn't graduate yeah. at 22 or 23, but I have I had a lot of great life lessons along the way, working a lot of great jobs. And um, some of the jobs I I call menial, but they always pay well. I really didn't have any desire to probably go back to college beyond wanting to always, always do better. Even to this day, I'm never never comfortable or satisfied with anything. I'm always looking forward to the next challenge.
2: And and you didn't even mention, I mean, you're also... You're working full time job, mm-hmm. going to class, and you're in a long distance relationship.
0: Long distance relationship, hey, that's hey, right, that, for, that is, for that, almost that six years. It is not easy. It is not easy. So you know, it Tony worked out. I know it did work out, and I, I'm gonna share this because not a lot of people know this besides our family. But we were in a long distance relationship. Where we would see each other every other weekend for years. Wow. For years. So I'm probably sharing a bit more information than my wife would <laughs> probably <my> wife. <laughs> Sorry, but, Tony. But it worked out. It worked right. out. And uh, we, we, we were able to stick it out. And you know what? She's my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. And uh, she's everything.
1: We'll be right back with more Garnett Johnson at Augusta
2: Podcast Studio right after this message. Have you all been to Savannah River Brewery for any kind of events that they put on I'm telling you right now that y'all are missing out if y'all have not I mean obviously you want to try some really good craft beer and when I say really good I mean they go all out in fact tonight my wife and I are going to trivia night and I'm going to get a dungeons and flagons what is that that's their new double IPA it comes out once a year it's something you don't want to miss check out savannah river brewing check out their beer And check out their Facebook events page. They've got great stuff that happens every night. They're even open on Mondays. Nothing is open on Mondays. So why not go check them out? Savannah River Brewing.
1: And check out a couple other events they have coming up. They have trivia this coming Wednesday. The theme will be science. And then on July 10th, Keep your eyes peeled for more information about this event, but Luau Fest will be going on. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have Pure Indigo out there headlining. We're going to have Jason Shepard playing some Buffett music. We're going to have fire dancers. It's going to be a great time. Savannah River Brewery, an all-around great place to spend your time. And an all-around great beer to spend your time with. Okay. So in 1998 when you graduated, what mm-hmm. what What did you? What was the next step for you? You said that you wanted to go in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you hadn't really hit that point where you wanted to be an entrepreneur yet. I did not. So, so,
0: so I, I wanted to be in sales. I had to make the transition from international paper, which it was um, an industrial paper maker in South Augusta.
1: And are we talking about like the office, like you're selling paper to uh, to to different businesses? Like what was that yeah, so competing with so,
0: Staples? What <laughs> you talking about? So <laughs> let me let me just tell you about the industry. So okay. uh, I graduated in 1998, um, and I was. focused on getting a job in sales. I I was offered a lot of opportunities to do other things because I came from a manufacturing environment. And at one point I thought that was a path. International paper now, I think it's graphics packaging. They're a great employee. One of our community stalwarts as far as creating an employment base and a tax base to this, to this county. Met a lot of great friends out there, but I realized that I wanted to, to do more, do more to get engaged with the business community. So, um, I got a job offer. I actually, got two job offers. Well, almost three job offers. So, um, <laughs> when I went into the the workforce to kind of start looking for employment opportunities, I was presented with an opportunity to go sell cigarettes for one of the largest cigarette manufacturers uh, in the in the, cur- in the country, probably in the world. Wow! The second was with a drug manufacturer. Believe it or not, isn't that a die kind of so I could <laughs> Sell cigarettes. <laughs> Or I could sell drugs for one of the pharmaceuticals companies. And the third was with a company called Boise Cascade. I had some familiarization with them because they were in the paper industry. And when uh, I got the opportunity to interview, the hiring manager said, well, I know you know Boise Cascade, but this job is in the office supply division. I was like, office supplies? How can you make a living selling office supplies? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so he presented me with this, I don't know, 500 page catalog, Say, essentially what we do, businesses don't have the opportunity to go out into our retail stores. So we're a business to business stationer. Some of our largest clients include some of the fortune 1000 companies in the country. The job was based out of Atlanta, but I was responsible for a territory everything east and south of Atlanta. So I covered when I initially was hired, Augusta, Savannah, all the way down to the Florida line. And we had companies in essentially every vertical. We had a healthcare vertical uh, that primarily specialized in large healthcare systems. Delta Airlines, Home Depot, at the time First Union, Wycovia, Bank of America. Those were some of the customers because these large organizations don't go out to Staples, right. uh, the retail they're, store to yeah, order not supplies. Going to Walmart. They they have very elaborate procurement systems that they put in place that in that enables their uh, end users to order supplies and they're delivered to them on the next day. So, so
1: what made you choose office supplies over obviously like you could easily make the ethics argument, but from like a financial standpoint, drug reps and and mm-hmm. I assume cigarettes in the early two thousands. They're making a lot of making money. A lot of
0: money. And you know what? It's I guess it was a comfort level knowing that Boise Cascade, the familiarization with the paper industry. And at one point, I thought about perhaps I can start off in the office products industry, and then when there's an opening in the paper division, I could move over. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen because I love the industry and the supply industry so much that, and I found a lot of success there that I essentially stayed. And people tell me when we have these oh we used to have these national conferences there's a community of independent office supply dealers across the world mm-hmm. and they say once you're in this industry you tend to stay and they're right once you when you know once you kind of learn the lingo and understand the business model behind it um, people tend to stay so even then i never thought about the entrepreneurial route though
2: right i so, mean you're selling pa- you were selling paper and now you're going to be selling staples that go on paper <laughs> paper, clips, paper clips highlighters pens everything that Full paper needs paper
0: <laughs> yes and I, and I tell you what really what really drew me in is when we had our first conference, when I was at Boise Cascade, which is now Office Max, Office Depot, they had these national conferences. You can't imagine how competitive the ink pen industry is.
2: Mm, I bet.
0: <laughs> I went to a trade show. <laughs> they had this room lit up. It's kind of like a car show with all these pens. Every year they introduce this. No, seriously. They introduce new models with the silky gliding ink. I would honestly love things.
1: to try pens <laughs> at a conference. like clicker. <laughs> <You're> yes. Right. <laughs> Just, oh, wow. The smooth you amazing. <laughs>
0: amazing. you amazing. So, you know, in order to make a living at it, you have to. You can't sell them by the box. You got to sell them by the truckload, and which yep. we did. Yeah, we did. Um, But, but yeah, it, it, even today, with all the changes, it's a great industry. Never so, thought about
1: it. So, did you fall in love with the office supply
0: industry? I did. Um, I fell in love with the company at first. You know, okay. Boise Cascade. You know, finally getting the opportunity to be a professional salesperson gave me an opportunity to want to have this autonomy because. I've never worked at a traditional office. My office was based out of my home. Very rarely did I see my managers. But I felt chiefly responsible for my business and my book of business as though it were mine. Even though it belonged to the company, it were mine. I managed the customers and the relationships and the revenue streams and the profitability and also was responsible for all the problems because there are always problems. Mm -hmm. I saw it as my business. Even though I worked for an organization.
1: So how long how long did you work for them? So we were there
0: almost 11 years. Oh,
1: So we're talking about till, about two, what, almost 2010?
0: Almost 2010. Okay. So, and actually it was into 2010. And um, and then, you know, we had the Great Recession in 2007.
1: Great time to be uh, selling to small businesses.
0: It was a great time to be selling to small and big businesses. It was really? challenging. Yeah, it was, it was still challenging because, believe it or not, organizations uh, still needed, still needed supplies. I'm you sure know, that I'm drove of,
2: you, though. Sounds like that was a rise you know, to the that, challenge.
0: Uh, that was a rise to the challenge. So at the time, and I'd probably, this was more prevalent uh, with, with every organization during that time, they were getting a lot of consultants involved in, um, in taking a, an assessment of the business models, um, uh, taking a close look and a keen eye to profitability. Mm-hmm. A lot of those consultants were paid based on, uh, the ability for them to save money for their organizations. Uh, one of the first way to save money is by controlling payroll costs. And and I realized that, you know, in, in this case, a lot of companies were uh, cutting employees. Uh, most of the employees were cut, tend to be tenured, middle-aged. Mm-hmm. A few months later, they would have a, what I call a hiring bonanza. They'd go out and hire all these college students at, you know, a fourth or, or a third of the salaries of the tenured employees. And uh, I realized that at some point that could potentially be me when it's time to send my kids to college. Mm. Certainly they want to be unemployed or put in a vulnerable position. So uh, I talked to my wife about it and prayed about it. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business. (laughs) What do you think? And she said, I'm all with you no matter what you do. I um, had a lot of other mentors and, you know, relatives. I think I talked to my dad, and he's like, you kidding me? There know, no in hell. You <laughs> should quit your job in <laughs> and, and, and this type of economy. And after all the conversations I've had with everybody, I only had one supporter. Just one. That's my wife, Tony. Wow. She said, you know what, we can always go back and get another job and work for someone else. But um, here's an opportunity for you to, to make a gamble in yourself and a gamble for our family. And I support you 200%. We go broke, we go broke.
2: Shout out we'll to your down. wife. Shout wow. Out to her. That's a tough thing to That is a tough thing. thing. I don't know <laughs> if my wife now <laughs> would say that. Let's just go, <laughs> and go it broke. It might work out. We go
0: broke, we go broke, we'll come back. You know what? Yeah. Coming from where I come from, I've been broke before. Right. I ain't far from it now. Yeah. But I think those are the inherent traits of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's willing to assume risk in gambling themselves and their ability to create something. Right. I don't know where I get it from. A lot of people say, I, I, to this day, my dad and I always had a contentious relationship. Mm-hmm. But somehow, I had this desire to always do better. I had this desire to, to assume some risks, calculated risk, to try to improve not only the lives of me and my family, but other people that are around me. That's what I'm passionate about. Not being comfortable any any time, any place.
1: And you knew this interview is
0: uncomfortable for me. But I do it because I think it's the best thing to do. And I think i uh, just relaying my story.
2: I could not tell you're uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm glad to hear that, though. Yeah. You're sharing a lot, and we, yeah. we, we're really enjoying this. Yes. So you started your own business in 2010, 2010.
0: 2010, I quit a good-paying job, and I'll never forget the day. <laughs> it was July 23rd, 2010 was my last official day. We're coming up on job. your anniversary. We're coming up on my anniversary. You're exactly right. So let me just take you back two weeks prior. I think it was around July 9th. My so, birthday. Happy really? birthday to me. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> so I, I told my wife, I say, Tony, we probably should take a vacation if we plan on quitting. <laughs> Quit. Because it's probably going to be a long time before uh, we get an opportunity to take another one. So she said, like, well, yeah, that's great. And I had a daughter at the time. They were always loved New York City. So going to New York is really not like a vacation. It's a fun city, but it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of things to see. So we went to New York, had a a phenomenal time. Uh, And uh, if I recall, we we left New York right before uh, Independence Day, got back to Augusta. And I'll never forget, I think July 9th was maybe a Friday. So I'm sitting there and it took me all day to type this resignation letter on something that's life changing. I'm typing it, I'm reading it, I'm proofreading. 455, 456. At 459, I send it.
1: On a Friday? On a Friday. So no one's reading that thing.
0: Well, normally I have a pretty uh, attentive boss, and she would sit. So Friday, I'm looking through my emails, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Still no answer. Wednesday night, she calls me and said, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Let's talk about it. But at that point, I had made the decision that in the best interest of my wife, my family, and my future, that we would make the investment in ourselves. And July 23rd was my last day working for a corporation. Wow. And uh, we started, um, in and in a, here's the business model. Here's where it gets scary because, as you know, when you're starting, you don't have any customers, you don't have any employees, you don't have any revenue. At the time, in order to establish a business to be competitive and play in the sandboxes, those big box competitors, those big guys who do billions of dollars in sales, you got to be able to invest in systems, which we did heavily in from the beginning. At the time, our wholesale relationships required us to have Office space with warehouse, so I couldn't operate this business out of my house. So I'm paying rent, I'm paying you know all of these expenses that go along with small business, with no sales mm-hmm. for months,
2: for months, for
0: months. It's yeah, scary. It's scary, and you're looking at your savings is dwindling, is dwindling, and you you're thinking and you're praying. And you say, Lord, did I make the right decision? If if I did, please, please, please show me the path and and and, and please strengthen me mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's certainly testing and trying when. You know you're trying to do the right thing, but right. you know some sometimes, oftentimes your prayers are answered. There's always uh, a glimmer of light, and uh, and I start to see my glimmer of light, and uh, and we always stayed committed to the process. Right. Always stayed committed to our principles and doing the right things, being upstanding and ethical in everything we do, and and you know creating a business model to execute, and we we stay focused on that and. And uh, we're fortunate today that, you know, we've grown the business year over year, most of the time double digits. We're now up to about, gosh, almost 40 employees with an office in Savannah.
2: Wow.
0: We have customers all over the country. We service every vertical market from uh, from government to healthcare to small business. So anybody that needs supplies, uh, we, we, of course, service them. But uh, it's a testament of hard work, determination, assuming risk, having faith, having a great partner. That's mm-hmm. good. Having a great partner. Right. Having a great family. So yeah.
2: So that's who I am when was that first sale? I'm sure you <laughs> can remember it's, that.
0: Of course I can. I could tell you when it started to change. That first sale. So we started business. It really didn't get started good until the fall of two thousand ten, August, September. First sale came in around September, mid September, small sale. I think it was probably thirty bucks. This lady, I guess she felt sorry for me and said, You know what, you keep begging me and coming to see me, so we're gonna try to place an order with your company and it came through and I'll never forget it. Our business model is that we have a national distribution of warehouses here in my region. My wholesale warehouses are in my wholesale network is in Atlanta, Birmingham, and Charlotte. And I never forget we got that first uh, first order and these supplies traditionally Customers places, place their orders. We then transmit them to our wholesaler, and they come in the middle of the night, normally one or two in the morning, and we deliver them the next day. I'll never forget, I went there at six o'clock, and I saw that one box. I said, oh my god, I got an order, I gotta deliver. <laughs> I couldn't afford delivery van, so at the time, I was the delivery driver. I put that box, I took that box in my truck, and I went by Krispy Kreme and bought three dozen donuts. So that tells you, any money I made, I lost. That's all the profit. <laughs> That's yeah, all the profit. It's gone. It's gone. So I took her some doughnuts and I took her order and I thanked her so much. And um, and then we went back um, went back to selling and went back and then, you know, well, over the next week instead of having one box, just two or three boxes. Started
2: coming in. Started coming in.
0: Four or five boxes. And all of a sudden, and is an interesting story. I had um a young lady that I went to high school with that uh, she saw me delivering one day. And um she said, Now I'll just call the office yeah, here you are. Two minutes later, delivering a box. She said, "You need somebody to answer the phones, man." She said, "How are <laughs> you doing that?" So, I had the office phones forwarded to my cell phone. Right. Which is great. Which is creative. Yeah. But at some point, the volume picks up. She said, "You need <laughs> you need some help." And I got a door that needs a job. And she's fairly affordable because she's sitting around the house doing nothing. So, at that point, I realized that you know, I, I, you know and it's it's tough because you you really don't know how business is gonna be. So we made our first right. hire. Um Gosh, less than eight months of being in business.
2: And that was probably way before you had originally planned to start hiring. I'm sure you had goals of, at this point, we're going to hire because we're going to need help. Right.
0: (laughs) You you, you know, it is. It is. Because, you know, I never thought about the hiring aspect. At first, I was thinking about how do I feed my family? How do I get enough just to provide sustenance and and pay the bills and cover the rent and cover this expensive investment, you know, that we made in order to have these back-end systems? And uh, so it just goes to show uh, as a as an entrepreneur, you're always, it's a small business especially, yeah. you're always slow to hire because you want to make sure that you get the right person with the right chemistry because, Absolutely. you know, you never want to, unfortunately, have to lay anybody off. And we can say we've never had to do that.
1: That's very, very cool. Yep. Very cool. How, how long were you running your business? And I'm kind of asking this for any small business owners out there before uh, you were profitable.
0: That's a great question. So as you know, it started in late 2010. Um, we were definitely not profitable in 2010. <laughs> Going into 2011, maybe late 2011, okay, it got to a point to where I could actually start paying myself.
1: Mm. Not much, right? But something. But that's how you know. That's how you know. You said, "Wow,
0: you know, I, you know I've, I've covered all of my expenses. I've paid rent. I've covered my wholesale cost. Um, everybody's covered. I think I could pay myself." Two hundred dollars a week, maybe. Yeah. 100 dollars a week, whatever. I, I think.
2: I think it's kind of important that you ask that question, David, yeah. because you know we're both entrepreneurs as well, and, I, and we know that do not pay ourselves. We don't. We <laughs> yeah. don't. But it's I think, tough. I think it, there's a lot tough. of a lot of things to be said for people out there that have these great ideas to, and they know and they have this model that will work. Mm-hmm. But the model sometimes it takes time, and it takes time. It takes, yeah. a and lot that's of time. okay.
0: It It took me at least. A year to at least pay myself anything. So you have to be committed to the long haul. There, oh, yeah. there aren't very few. There are very few organizations or companies that you can start that you start making revenue day one enough to pay yourself. Right, right. right and right. I think that's what deters a lot of entrepreneurs because they mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm gonna run a business and I own a business. I'm gonna be filthy rich. That's not a salary. I'm yeah. gonna, gonna be my own, own boss and, own and own I'm gonna boss.
2: start paying myself. But I mean, we're we're talking. Some of these people are single. We're talking about you're a family man. Oh, yeah. Two I mean, kids. this was yeah. a year and a half maybe. You yeah, were able yeah. to pay yourself $200 a week. $200 I mean, a
0: week. Sometimes you didn't pay anything, depending on, right. you know, so, yeah. It was a couple-year process before we, could, we were able to pay anything.
1: We'll have more of our conversation with Garnett Johnson in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends at the clubhouse. The Clubhouse has a lot of cool programs that promote local business. Uh, They have certainly helped us. Um, Obviously, they're a membership program in the third level of the Cyber Center, where you can go and you can run a small business, you can use it as a workspace. But it's a little bit more than that. And this last week, Chris and I actually went there to do a presentation about Drop the Disc and our brand, Augusta Podcast for one of their affiliates right in their river room overlooking the Savannah River. And their affiliate is called One Million Cups. We'll post a link for it, but essentially they let local businesses promote themselves. Uh, It's viral, so it can go around uh, on the internet, but there's also people there in person that can help develop you, develop your pitch. It's a really, really cool opportunity, and we would recommend if you are in that space we would really recommend learning more about The Clubhouse. You can visit them online at theclubhouse.se. You can visit them in person on the third floor of the Cyber Center, and you can check out their programs, uh, One Million Cups. You can check out uh, makestartups.com as well. So now, the yin and the the yang, we're going to massively contrast what you just said Mm -hmm. by talking about the beautiful facility that you guys have opened up downtown. And uh, an acquisition. That well, you, that you guys. Yeah,
0: did? So, so let me tell you about the facility first. Okay. So, um, gosh, 2017, 2018, and you know it started earlier than that. I, I tell you, making a property and a an investment in the community is tough. Which, by the because way, where is this location? This location is at the, c- the corner of 11th and Telfair Street. The actual address is 1018 Telfair. Okay. Got a lot so, of
1: people investing in that specific area in 2017, 2018.
0: At that time, people thought I was crazy just like starting a company. They thought I was That's crazy. Right. So uh, my path to 1018, uh, prior to that, for a couple of years, I had been looking at other places, flex warehouse spaces, some existing. Um, and for some reason, or another reason, it just never kind of fell together. And then um, one day, my wife and I, and as you know, running a small business, you have to drive and look a lot.
2: When right, I say drive yeah. and look, you're always <laughs> yeah.
0: scouting property, scouting opportunities. We drove by this place, and I had a neighbor that told me, he said, "Hey, there's a property that's uh, that's in foreclosure, um, that I think well, we'll buy a deal for you." And I went and looked at it, and I said, "Gosh, it's it's in the right location, but it's not big enough. If I can get this property next door." And at the time, I think I could share. It was HDUI school. I said, if I could get both properties, perhaps I will have enough space to have an ideal office that includes some warehouse. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, if you went by and looked at it in 2016, 2017, it kind of looked like a blighted, neglected area with a bunch of uh, abandoned buildings, uh, Mm a high homeless population. And you look at the price that you have to pay from a real estate investment, especially commercial real estate, people say, are you kidding me? You got to pay this much for this? Mm. Um, my wife and I um, eagerly went and invested and bought the foreclosed property. We reached out to the property owner who owned HDUI School at the time. She said, you know, I'm looking to probably consolidate back to one location. We have two. We have one in Augusta, one in Evan." So I would sell to you. So that gave us a perfect opportunity to consolidate two parcels of land and create this three-quarter acre space that could accommodate our office and warehouse. So, all right, so we bought the property. Then the next hurdle is, how do we get a building to go on this property? What do you do? How do you develop it? You got to start engaging uh, architects and designers. You got to engage the city of Augusta to see what's allowed, planning and zoning. Historic
2: know. building. historic, and, and,
0: and you know what? We had a historic building on there. Yeah. We had one that, that predated the Civil War. It's called wow. the, Chir- the Church of Atonement. It was a rectory. And um, I met with Eric Montgomery, and it, there was some discussion that the building was in a historic district, um, but found out that it wasn't. But I still wanted to do, I guess, the historically friendly thing and kind of take that building out and, and reuse as much as that. That's cool. That that wood and the things that we could, and we've done that. You know, that's that's, that's, that's phenomenal that we're able to do that.
1: So I met you originally because you were hosting the Young Professionals of Augusta at this at your venue, at, yes. at your new location, oh, you've been there. I've been there.
0: No, yeah. wow. it's
1: insane. No, it's actually it's like the future. It's like you yeah. walk in, you're like, this is. I didn't even know that desks looked like this. <laughs> like you walk in and you learn something
2: yes. interesting.
1: Yeah. Another so, thing that I want. I'm another thing. That you told us about, though, was this wall Mm -hmm. that you guys have in there. Mm -hmm. Will you share that story?
0: Certainly. So as I mentioned, that historic structure, it was the uh, rectory for the Church of Atonement Mm -hmm. that uh, dates back to 1851. Um, It's super cool. It is super cool. It had some flooring in it. And I said, man, I would really like to reuse this flooring. So as we were uh, historically friendly raising the building, we took all of the flooring all of the doors some of the windows and i was like you know when we built it in but you know it's hard to kind of incorporate those things in new construction right so i told my bill i said how do i do this he put me in touch with a woodworker he said hey take this over to this guy he may be complaining and reclaiming and all this stuff and i took it over to him and he kind of uh, x-rayed it and said it's gonna cost you a fortune this thing has nails and stables and all this stuff in it so he said, it may not be conducive to using for flooring but he said that um should put it on a wall and make accent walls, so that's what we've done.
2: That's awesome.
0: We've taken wood from pre civil War eighteen fifty one that we have repurposed in our building, and we still have about four thousand square foot of it left that we' we'll probably use uh, in some form or fashion throughout the building.
1: I just like that story because it shows how you approached investing in okay. that in that area which is, is which is really awesome
0: it is and you know what you know hindsight is i don't know if it's 2020 but if you <laughs> look at the area now what it's become it's amazing people could not believe just three or four years ago the street's
1: uh, kind of beautiful now it's, honestly it's, it's,
0: it's beautiful uh we've had some great neighbors donnie thompson's a neighbor uh across the street to the north of us um he's done a great job in in creating a more conducive area by taking down an old building. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ivies, Mark and Matt have the con- yep. uh, the apartment building uh, behind us, and there's some uh, some great developments that have been planned across the street. Right. So Telfair is all of a sudden transforming into this nice hub of. Um, apartments and professional office buildings that we can be proud of. We have the new fire station that's, yeah. you know, right down beautiful. the street. Beautiful building. So, yeah, and there's a lot of great more things to come. There's a streetscape uh, redevelopment plan and construction plan that's planned for, for Telfair. So it's only going to help enhance the, uh, the, the beauty of the street. So we're proud to be involved, I won't say that, you know, we were one of the first, but we certainly uh, made our mark by making an investment in in some blighted properties that's improved the tax base for uh, for Richmond County and and enhanced the beauty of the area.
1: Frankly, it makes you look very smart.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. (laughs) I I won't take much credit for (laughs) it. Well, thank you.
1: So I want to take this opportunity now that that we've really examined the business to talk about some other things that you've been a part of. I know that it's important to you to be involved on on different boards and different organizations. Will you talk about kind of your experience on on that side of things?
0: Certainly will. So I I guess being a small business owner and people perceiving you as being smart and having creative (laughs) ideas. They come to you and ask you to serve in boards in, in special capacities. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than than happy to do that. Um, I guess it started out, well, I know it started out with the American Heart Association. Um, I've served on the ELT board for many years. And I started there because I'm passionate about um, heart disease and cardiovascular disease that's greatly affected my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, a lot of the contributions and our effort goes back to our my alma mater, the great Augusta University and uh, the medical college in the form of uh, research dollars and grants. So that's where it started. So it started from a philanthropic standpoint with the American Heart Association. We've also given to other organizations from, uh, gosh, the 100 black men of Augusta. I had a great mentor who was also at Butler. His name was James Quarles. God bless him. He's no longer with us, but uh, he was always engaged with 100 black men. He said, well, Mr. Johnson, anything you could do to help? I would greatly appreciate and also always cheerfully help him whenever he would call and uh in in any endeavor because I think that's such a meaningful organization to our community and to to help our young men to make sure they're on the right path and I guess that led to uh Other things like the Augusta Chamber Board, which next year I will be chairman. This year I'm chair-elect. I've gone through the cycle. I've served on that board. And the board, it's through treasurer. Now I'm chair-elect. And I think that's where the advocacy comes in for small business and our Mm -hmm. small business community and all of our businesses that are engaged in this region. Uh, I'm proud to be appointed by Governor Brian Kemp to serve on the Georgia Board of Economic Development. Wow. Where I cover uh, the 12th Congressional District, where I'm— Responsible for creating jobs and opportunities, tourism dollars, everything related to this district. To make How sure. fun is that? That, that must is, be really cool. That is really cool. You know, it's a great time, uh, even uh, despite the pandemic on yeah. how our state is done, uh, to create jobs. I was just listening to the most recent report, almost $8.5 billion dollars in investments in just this uh, the first quarter. That's insane. And so, so it is insane, 24,000 jobs. And, uh, you know, for... Eight years, Georgia has been rated the number one state for business. Yeah, I believe I hope it. done that. I believe it too, and uh, and, and it's, it's a lot of great folks that that has made that happen. And I'm just proud to be able to learn and serve and and see if we can get more of those opportunities to come to Augusta into our region. And I tell people all the time, sitting on those calls, I, I get to see all these other regions celebrating their success. Mm-hmm. I want to know how we can bring more of those to uh, to our region. So that will be my focus in serving on that board.
1: Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of Garnet Johnson at Augusta Podcast Studio. And of course, we'll close out with a little bit of an overview. And then, of course, the drop the disc question. And I just want to take this moment quickly to promote a couple things we have going on this Friday. That's right. This coming Friday is going to be the second rendition of the Augusta Rocks music series. It's going to be at Garden City Social. Tickets will be on sale at AugustaRocks.com. And proceeds will go to the Salvation Army Center for Hope. Uh, We also have a really, really cool new Augusta Rocks apparel line, which is out now on our website. And 100% of those proceeds also go to the Salvation Army Center for Hope. You can find those items on Augustapodcast.com, and you can find our shop, and it'll all be in there. We hope to see you guys on Friday. We hope that we can raise a ton of money for charity while also having a pretty great time in the process, it will be an open bar. We'll have Luna's Pizza Truck. It's going to be an awesome experience. And one more time, you can
2: get those tickets at AugustaRocks.com. You know, David, I don't know about you, but sitting here and listening to this interview, your mama started it by sending you to Butler. That's where it all started. <laughs> it really did. And, and you can and say that she kind of saw that, yeah, too. She yeah, she probably did. And, uh, <laughs> Would you have been on these boards and sitting in these positions if you had stuck with your paper salesman situation in corporate level? You know, I
0: don't know. I was at a meeting last night with a gentleman, and obviously he, he, I guess he thinks about it at a higher level. He's like, somebody inherently had to put this in you, this desire to do better and to be what you are. I I don't know. I think it's a combination of, of a lot of relatives. As I mentioned, we didn't grow up with anything. Right. I mean, it's to the point when I was growing up, I was embarrassed for when I went to Butler. I was embarrassed for my friends to drop me off at my house because I never. But the house, I mean, it really was. Um, it was in really poor shape. Didn't have much, but we had a lot of love. I had a strong mother who believed in me and kind of kept me on the straight and narrow. So, but yeah, it's amazing on the path. That's why I like to share my story, especially with a lot of young black men who think as though there's not a path for them. Not everybody's going to be a basketball player and join the NBA or NFL. Not everybody's going to be a rapper, but you can become and attain this ship route that everybody can be involved in. It just takes a little bit of effort doing things that are positive for the community, staying out of trouble, um, serving and worshiping our Lord. Mm-hmm. It's just one of them. Um, but there are a lot of other routes besides um, becoming a a football or professional basketball player or a rapper. There are other ways to, to wealth if you're willing to invest in yourself and invest the time.
1: So I, I want to end at least my line of questioning on kind of like a more fun thought experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the reason is because you're rolling on, you, you know, you're on the chamber board, you're mm-hmm. about to be the, the president of the chamber board, yes. which is very exciting. It is very exciting position. Uh, the Georgia Economic Council, you're a small business owner for over 10 years. What are some opportunities, what are some things that you'd like to see come to Augusta?
0: Well, as I mentioned just briefly, I I think that our region needs to do better in enjoying the windfalls
2: Mm. that
0: are occurring as a result of this economy. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming out of this pandemic, I think it's going to create a lot of great and interesting opportunities, especially for small businesses. The ones that are able to execute and cross the hurdles and get through what I call the minutiae of things are going to be the more successful ones. My job as a small business owner, I want to reach back and perhaps show some of the people that are interested in entrepreneurship and how we could do that. How can we create opportunities for Augusta that's being created in other great cities and people always talk about like Atlanta. They talk about how great Atlanta and Charlotte and Greenville, Spartanburg, and other communities are doing it. You should be able to do this right here in the gospel with the right leadership, the right person to kind of build a consensus among the leaders, somebody who has the experience in doing it. Not somebody who talks about it, but somebody who has the experience in doing it. Somebody who's not always the smartest person in the room, I'm certainly not always the smartest, but I'm always among the hardest working. Mm-hmm. You know, I pride myself in that. You know, it's always – taking and listening to other ideas to find out how collaboratively we could grow this community and can grow our tax base how we can grow our small businesses how we can improve our schools how we can take better personal responsibility for ourselves as citizens i mean those are sometimes those are tough conversations to have i think i could be the person to have those
2: absolutely okay great leaders know how to Put themselves around great people. Yeah, exactly so, right. They're not always the best person. Mm-hmm. So I, that's awesome. Are you ready, Chris? I'm ready. Right. Is there anything that wow. you would, before we finish this and tie this awesome interview up with a bow, uh, is there anything you would like to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah.
0: No, I just, I thank you guys because as I mentioned, this is my first official podcast. I've been in studios yes. to record. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> To to record uh, various commercials for for the really events, primarily yep. nonprofits, but you guys have a, a, a very impressive business model. Um, I applaud you and your youth in doing this. Thank you, thank you. That's 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 to be uh, very much so uh, thought of in that at your age you are where you are, and I would uh, say that to continue continue along this path and you guys I know there's bright things and bright days ahead for
2: you Thank well you. it was an absolute honor having you yeah. on the show and by the way we are chamber members that so. is phenomenal yeah. continue yeah. We'll to advocate
0: effort. for that I'm gonna ask you to join one more chamber I need you to join it the greater Augusta black chamber too. There's two chambers
1: we would love to yep all right so you can join that, that as well let's do uh, it
0: what, what, you know both have their their interesting dynamics. How do we
1: get in touch with them?
0: I will make sure. Ronique West is, uh, I think she's a, uh, the, the president of the uh, Greater Augusta Black Chamber, and I'll make sure you have her information. But they have an organization that also has purpose in our community, primarily geared towards the smaller entrepreneurs who are just trying to get started. A lot of the home-based businesses where you guys are beyond that but it's the people oh, We're that not are as thinking. beyond <laughs> it as you might
1: think but that's <laughs> a, really uh, nice. that <laughs> <was> a nice <laughs> thing to say I appreciate that
0: <laughs> but you, yeah, it's, it's for the people that are at home say I want to start this business home right. base and I think the greater Augusta has a somewhat I don't know if a greater keener focus but they tend to have a large, larger percentage of their uh, their members that are, are, are smaller which I think you guys would fit into and we would love to, to engage you in, in both chambers Absolutely Well, well thank you thank, thank you for saying yeah.
2: that So I do have One more question, and this is a question we ask all of our guests on the show. Um, It's really the ethos of this whole mission of the Drop the Disc show. It's our question. And, of course, the Drop the Disc question is presented by Tranner Gray Media, and you can find them at trannergray.com. Let me tell you a little bit about Drop the Disc. Question sponsor, Trainer Gray Media. They do an excellent job with all types of media. If we're talking about a commercial for your business, if we're talking about a website, if we're just talking about branding, getting that plan to start branding your company, that market plan, check out Trainer Gray. They promote Augusta. They promote everything about Augusta, which is why, honestly, they're a perfect match for a drop to this question. Check them out, Trainer Gray Media. Check out the live stream that they're doing for the Augusta Rocks concert on YouTube. It is impeccable. Check them out, Trainer Gray. Um, we've all heard the negative connotations that mm-hmm. this city gets. People from outside the city, people, rumors, or even our own people uh, like to joke about it. And we don't take that joke lightly. Um, if someone were to walk up to you and talk negatively about this city, um, diss it, what, what would your response be to them?
0: You know, that's an easy question because Augusta's home, and I, I liken it to having family. You can always pick friends, but you can't pick your family. Mm-hmm. And how can you dis a place that provides so many opportunities for its residents? Geographically, Augusta is uh, within two hours proximity to some of the greatest destinations in the, in the country. Um, if you think about from an economic development standpoint, we have one of the lowest cost of livings, less traffic, one of the best places to raise a family. One of our communities nearby was named one of the best places in all of America to live. So if you think about this region and what this city has to offer, how can you diss it? How can you diss it?
2: Yeah, we, we ask it. that question all right. the time.
0: How can you diss it? Now, there's some improvements. Any community is going to have improvements that need to be made. Politically, political things are always going to be a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But we have to do a better job as citizens, those who are really, truly, that are invested in this community to stop the diss. Stop the diss and start the liking. Let's start having this conversation about this like what we have going on because there are a lot of great things. We have a strong foundation to build upon. It just takes the right people and putting the right people in the right places to start to have those conversations. And it starts at home, it starts with our friend groups, it starts at every place.
1: Well, Garnett, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Such a pleasure. To have this conversation with you. Uh, One more time, give everybody a quick, how can they find you? You know, how can they do business with you? How can they join the chambers? Give us all of that real quick.
0: You got it. As I mentioned, my name is Garnett Johnson. I'm the president (laughs) and owner of two great companies, Augusta Office Solutions and Modern Business Workplace Solutions. Our physical address is 1018 Telfair Street down in wonderful, historic Augusta, Georgia. A phone number seven zero six three zero five three nine seven one. 706-305-3971. Please, if you are running a small business, if you're considering running a small business, if you know anybody who runs a business or anything, engage in your chambers. The Augusta Metro Chamber of Commerce is the advocacy, not only for our small business, large business, but for our community. The Greater Augusta Black Chamber also has a purpose. They help the home-based, smaller uh, individuals, smaller businesses that are looking to get engaged in the process both have advocacy efforts that benefit benefit small business and they benefit business, they benefit this community. So please, please engage and join.
2: And just for clarification, if they order from you, you will not also give them a box of Krispy Kreme. Donuts. We still do it. <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: I love that. I tell you what, it's always amazing. First orders, we've done everything from Sherry's berries. You guys probably know what those are. The donuts. I mean, we've done some creative things. But you (laughs) order from us, and you know what? If you ask that Garnett Johnson makes the first delivery, I'll have a special treat. Oh, I want that's awesome.
1: Guaranteed. All right, Garnett Johnson. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank Thank you you so so much.
0: much. I appreciate the opportunity, you guys.
1: And thank you for tuning into this episode of the Drop the Disc Podcast, recorded right here at Augusta Podcast Studio. We'll be back next week with another really great episode, and we would like to encourage you guys, uh, we will not have an Around Augusta today, but we would really like to encourage you guys, if you're looking for something to do this coming weekend, uh, Friday, June 18th, we will have our own Augusta Rocks show. It's going to be raising money for charity. And then, of course, on the 19th, on Saturday, there's going to be a cool show at the amphitheater theater in North Augusta. So lots of cool stuff going on this weekend. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, social media, Instagram at drop the disc pod. And if you get an opportunity to leave us a review, we would really appreciate that as well. We hope to see you next week. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in with us.